the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program was recorded for broadcast at this time. Welcome to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And this is my time. Keep it here as Roger talks about local and national issues important to you. Talking with the leaders and newsmakers in our community. And now, here's Roger. Welcome to the Roger Franklin Williams Show, the program that's dedicated to protecting, preserving, and defending America's founding traditions of God, family, country. And friends, thank you for joining us today. It's our actually the first uh, brand new show of a brand new year, and it's great to be with you today, and I want to thank you for the opportunity to join you. We have a great guest in studio with us today, and a little bit later we look forward to being joined by Christopher Hart on our show as well. It's, um, we'll get right into our guest in just a moment, but of course I want to of course, remind you that the Roger Frank and William Show is presented by Christner's Prime Steak and Lobster, and of course Christner's is where you'll get prime cuts of beef and cold water Australian lobster served in an atmosphere of old school elegance and sophistication, and they're conveniently located 729 Lay Road, which is just two blocks west of I-4 in Orlando. Right now, we're pleased to introduce to you our guest for the full hour today in studio, former state representative, former Orange County commissioner, former leading businessman in central in the Popka area, and community leader, Fred Brummer. Fred, it's great to see you. Thank you for coming Roger, over. Roger, it's always an honor to be on, on your show, and I really appreciate the invitation to be here. You know, and there's a lot that you can speak to. I know you were always very active and still are in, in the Apopka community in, in a variety of different ways and in the Central Florida community uh, with a variety of different organizations, Chamber of Commerce. You were a major force in getting the Bird of Palooza uh, event put together out at Lake Apopka. Um, many, many other uh, things as well, Apopka Rotary. Um, but also, you got great insight from the time that you served as an elected official eight years on the Orange County Commission, eight years in the Florida House of Representatives. And over the course of our conversation today, I'd like to have you maybe share some of the background uh, about the real world experience of how laws get made. Um, Because, of course, because of the things that we've seen unfolding in Washington with the Republican Republicans in Congress over the battle for who's going to be the next the next speaker of the House, um, and that most likely may or may not be resolved by the time our program goes on the air. But it's been certainly an historic conflict. That's actually a lot of that's playing out in public. Uh, but the thing I'd like over the course of the show today, our conversation, I'd like to ask you um, about battles like this that oftentimes do occur. They just don't play out, uh, you know, in, in public, uh, which are just part of uh, the, the life in a democratic you know, uh, republic, uh, constitutional democratic republic. And that's just the way politics is, basically, to, certain, to a large extent. Uh, this is an extreme example, of course. But first of all, I'd just like to pick up where we were talking off air um, about community involvement and something that's related to 
what we do here on uh, on the radio station, and that's the broadcast of the Apopka High School football games. And you're you're sharing with me that even now there's a strong just residual of of goodwill in the community about the the latest successful year of Apopka High School. You know the uh, the the fact is is that Apopka High School has been blessed with some of the not just best coaches, but outstanding football coaches. The men, you know, when Rick Darlington left for the second time, you had to, you know, you had to be concerned. Uh, Mayor Brian Nelson, however, told me that at the time that the, the high school principal hired Rick Darlington, he had actually gone to hire Jeff Ralston and Rawson wouldn't make the move, or I, I, I'm, I'm not familiar with the absolute reason, but wound up hiring Rick Darlington. And, and obviously, clearly, Rick Darlington, a huge success both times. But this Rawson, uh, I believe uh, Mayor Nelson also told me that Brandon Merriweather, one of the, one of the many uh, height, Apopka blue darters that went on to the National Football League when Darlington left, made the statement, now Rawson is the one that we need to get. And that's who uh, the the principal was able to hire. And the man has just, you know, I'm a, I'm a what I call a Saturday morning Blue Darter fan. In other words, I, 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 first thing I do is check in and see what was the score from the night before. And this season and last season, both times, you know, the the season did not look like, you know, one of these eleven and zero and twelve and zero successes. And then the next thing you know, it's deep in the playoffs, and then you're to the semi, you know, to the finals, and there, Coach Rawson has got a Popka Blue Darters into the championship game. It's just. It's just stunning the the man's capacity for you know uh, bringing these young men along to to and and you know far better because you're there at every game you see it at every game you you know you're thoroughly familiar you're involved with the coaching and 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 his work in the community uh, and I you know he he's he succeeds Rick Darlington with their work in the community bringing. The, the students, the football players into the community to do community service is just excellent. Thank you for sharing your insights as, as a member of the community. And, and I really, um, you know, a lot of meat there that you mentioned, and I would like to pick up on some of it. And yeah, certainly um, just from a football perspective, an, an, an unusual season, I would say, almost a, a very, very interesting, maybe even strange in that, yeah, as, as, this, as the season began, uh, we were struggling. We had two one-point victories that were almost uh, miraculously, or with a tremendous good fortune, a thirteen to twelve win over Okoy uh, and a seven to six win over Doctor Phillips early in the early, uh, over the course of the first four games. Who, of course, were uh, outstanding programs. Um, we, losses included, uh, I would say, an ugly loss at West Orange, where we flat out cannot move the ball. Um, a close loss to Edgewater, but. Uh, once again, that kind of characterized this particular team in that the defense played extraordinarily well at Edgewater. The special teams played extraordinarily well. Offense played awful. So so um, after the first four games, 
You, I, you know, no, I, you know, I, I speaking only for myself, I certainly wasn't expecting to even maybe even make the playoffs, uh, much less, uh, you know, within a couple months be competing for a, in the state championship game. And you're exactly correct. You had the exact same feeling that I did. You know, the fourth week, and you know, you, you look at the score and you say, "Wow, this is the finally we're going to have a down year. Finally, a down year." You know, here at Apopka. Uh, high school football, and the, the next thing that you see is the playoffs, you know. And it's not just, it's not just the playoffs, but Central Florida has so many good teams. I mean, look how deep Okoe went into the, into the playoffs. State final game. And irrespective, yeah, I mean, irrespective, every, you know, uh, Rawlson still brings them to the brink of the championship as though, you know, he's got an Uber ride right to, you know, to the game. It's a great point I want to continue to mention, and I'm glad you mentioned Coach Rolson specifically because, you know, he's definitely not out of the mold of your stereotypical football coach. And what I mean by that, he's he's such, has has tremendous humility. And, uh, you know, he's also kind of a a laid-back personality. He, Coach Rolson would literally be the last person on earth to say a good word about Coach Rolson, frankly. Right. You know, even when I try to say good words about him, he uh, he uh, tries to deflect his uh, well-deserved, um, you know, praise and compliments. But, and but I mean, so the, the what I'm saying is that he is uh, not one of these people seeking recognition. He's not one of these people who's first in front of a microphone. He act, literally avoids the spotlight. But, um, you know, the substance, substance of his work um, is obviously revealed on the field and on the scoreboard. And I, and, I, and I do think that, obviously, he had tremendous impact as the head coach. Now, we played in three state championship games, you know, at in the four years that he's been the head coach, and then the other year was uh, made it to the Final Four. And the team that beat us, Stanford Seminole, they they won the state championship uh, that year um, after defeating us in a very close game. But yeah, Coach Rolson definitely has a, as I've come to observe, his own unique style, if you will, of, of coaching. And as I've said many times, he's literally a defensive genius, which is kind of interesting in that, you know, Rick Darlington w- was an offensive genius. Correct. And you know we and to think that we had both of those guys on the same staff for about fifteen years is is really amazing in retrospect. You know because actually because you know what people may or may not know, Coach Rolson for mo- most of the years that Coach Dar- Darlington was here was his defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. But yes. but so so the team looks different now because you know, what we were used to under Coach uh, Darlington we were spoiled by fifty by you know these massive point explosions. 40 points, 50 points, 60 points, 70 points, in one case, 80 points in a game versus Wekaiva one year. Um, where, on the other hand, with Coach Rolson, his emphasis is on defense, and and what we're, we're not seeing the, the the level of scoring, but the winning is still taking place in just a, a different kind of a way. And that's I'm, I'm amazed at, at his how he can coach defense and how he can literally control the game. Control the tempo of the game by having the kind of outstanding defense that he has. That teams literally cannot move the ball against us. Right. That, literally, that's no exaggeration. Right. And, and then he couples it with 
outstanding special teams, and which is a major emphasis of his. That's not an accident. It's part of his coaching philosophy is to emphasize special teams. And he actually coaches, if I'm not mistaken, um, most of the special teams units. And and beyond that, he's making good community members of the young men that are on the team. You know, and I said this about Coach uh, Darlington. I said, mothers, grandmothers, get your sons into a, a Darlington program. And I will say to you, it is exactly the same now. He does better at making men that he do, than he does at coaching football. And he is absolutely miraculous at coaching football. That, that, that's a great point, and the, the most important point, it's the bigger picture. It's not just winning on the field. Correct. It, it's uh, Correct. Uh, producing uh, young men that are good citizens and good members of the community. And that's, this is going to reflect 10, 15, 20 years in this community. Well, friends, we're glad you're joining us today on the Roger Franklin Williams Show with our in-studio guest, Fred Brummer. So please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Good to have you here for the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. It's great to be with you today. We want to continue with turbulent times, specifically in the political arena. We'll be talking about that a little bit as we go through the show today. Um, other topics as well. I do want to let you know that later in our program, we look forward to speaking with Christopher Hart and getting his insights about the battle for the Speaker of the House uh, for the Republicans in Congress in Washington. He had a tremendous show uh, Thursday evening. I mean, he has a tremendous show every time he's on, but I had a chance to listen to most of the show Thursday evening, and it was just really outstanding. And they were talking about this particular topic, among other things, him and Mike McBath and his crew. And I look forward to having um, Chris share his insights with us on the show today. But um, in addition to that, we're talking about community and just a variety of other topics. And we're pleased to be joined in the studio by um, one of our original guests on the Roger Franklin Williams show, going back all the way back to when our first year on the show, former state representative, former Orange County commissioner, community leader, Fred Brummer. And we look forward to getting Fred's insights of, about the real world of the behind-the-scenes politics as well, um, specifically in the Republican Party. Before we go back to Fred Brummer, though, of course, as we begin a new year, I think it's a great time to share a little with you about our friend and our sponsor, Dr. Patrick St. Germain, the great people at St. Germain Chiropractic and at Burn Fat Orlando. Of course, Dr. Patrick St. Germain, as you already know, not only supports our program, he supports all the programs you hear right here on the new AM 950, FM 94.9, The Answer, uh, our sister station, Christian Radio WTLN as well. And our programs and our messages that support our free enterprise system and our messages of patriotism. Dr. Patrick St. Germain and St. Germain Chiropractic, and of course, speaking of community leaders, Dr. Patrick St. Germain has been active in a variety of ways and numerous ways of supporting various aspects of our Central Florida community. And that also includes his his own individual support, direct support of Apopka High School Athletics. And let's go back to uh, former commissioner, former state representative Fred Brummer. And, you know, Fred, actually, before we are, we do talk to um, Christopher Hart and talk about this battle for the speakership in Washington among the Republicans. 
the thing I'd like to have get your insights about are that, you know, in, not only in Washington, but in Tallahassee as well, and any any legislative body in, in our constitutional democratic republic, this these kinds of battles um, are, are not that unusual. Now, now this one's unusual. Um, it's his first time in over 100 years it's, it's gotten to this level in, in Congress in Washington. But my point is, Factional conflict, if you will, um, is not unusual in legislative bodies. It's just normally it gets handled behind the scenes, behind closed doors. It never spills out into the public uh, like this has done in Washington. So this is an extreme dramatic example. But I'd just like to have you talk a little bit about what happens behind the scenes, say, say, you know, back in your days in the in the Florida legislature. I I suspect that that. um, um, and, and people may not even known any of this because it probably never spilled out into public. But I suspect that some of these contests for the speakership in the Florida House weren't necessarily smooth sailing. No, I, you're absolutely correct. Uh, you know, my my freshman year, uh, your good friend, Speaker uh, Tom Feeney, came into my office, sat down, and and said, "Fred, I you know I need your support to be Speaker next term." You know, you're going to get reelected. You're going to come back. I'm I'm here to ask for your endorsement. And in that particular situation, there wasn't uh, any competition. Well, there may have been. the The only other person that was given consideration was uh, became majority leader uh, Jerry Maygarden, but he wasn't out there campaigning. So, so my freshman year, we didn't get this kind of exposure. We, you know, my sophomore term, again, uh, you know, the situation was the successor to t- your good friend Tom Feeney was Johnny Bird, Speaker Johnny Bird. And it was a very compact Republican class, was only six new members, which which meant that my class, the sophomore class, had a, had a much greater influence in it. Uh, Adam Putnam was a was a member of that class, but he did not campaign. He was he was at the time he had just been elected at that time as the youngest member of the Florida House, so he wasn't campaigning for speaker. So Johnny Bird pretty much had the bit in his teeth uh, and was able to campaign to to and get the endorsements, the support for speakership of of my sophomore. Uh, my excuse me, my junior year, that junior term that that he was, you know, that was there. The my senior term, Speaker Alan Bentz, that is what you're speaking about as far as behind the scenes, heavy competition. There were three members of the House who were, com- you know, uh, campaigning substantially to be speaker uh, 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 an aside one of those was a f- young man named Gaston Cantens from from Miami Gaston and I sat next to each other Gaston and I roomed together for a while in apartments uh, on the effort you know that, that in in Tallahassee and as we were sitting there one day during session, uh, the speakership came came up, and 
And Gaston Canten turned to me to, to his left and said, "Well, speaking speaking of that campaign, you know, I'd like your endorsement. I'd like your support." And I said, "Well, Gaston, I apologize, but I've already committed to Alan Benz. <laughs> and this is, you know, somebody that I'm rooming with. This is somebody that I'm sitting next to. And and so, you know, that that candidacy, that campaign, uh, is, you know, absolutely positively gets to be." Uh, substantial. The next year, the next year, Marco Rubio is campaigning for speaker. Andy Gardner, our our local Andy Gardner. Um, you know, there were two more, uh, including one that left the the House and re- you know got elected to the to the elected to Congress because you know when Adam Putnam left uh, the the con- you know congressional office. So. Uh, you know, very, very competitive, uh, sometimes, you know, a lot of, you know, sometimes unnecessarily personal. But, you know, in those situations, the issue was different than than in Washington, D.C. When the rubber met the road, you had the commitments from enough to go forward well before the vote on that issue. Okay. And that brings up a question, a process question, and we've got about three minutes before we go to our next break. Um, do you think McCarthy got, has got caught off guard by this? Or, I mean, do, do you think he was overconfident? you think he didn't do his homework? Or did he kind of know that he, he this might, might bubble up? I, you know, I mean, it would be hard for me to speculate for this situation. <clears throat> However, you know, a little overconfidence would be the expectation that many, many people had of the red wave. In other words, he picks up another 10 or 15 votes, and these new freshmen coming in here means that those 19 don't matter. Those 19 or 20, you know? And that's what everybody expected, that he was going to not come out with, you know, 218, but... 235, maybe even 240. Great, great, great point. Yeah, he probably and was thinking he, that, he had a smooth you know, that, sailing. And that, now this, that might be what his issue and, was. And I think one of, from what I understand, um, the reason that he's having trouble, that people aren't enthusiastic, you know, quite a you know, significant number of people aren't enthusiastic about his leadership, is that he underperformed uh, in his role as as speaker in in helping you know Republicans get elected, and in even some cases, and you know Anthony Sabatini has addressed this right here on our show. Um, you know Sabatini's of the opinion that McCarthy actually tried to impede him uh, in a primary for, from from winning a primary by using some of his uh, machinations, if if you will. So um, you know I, th- I think that uh, certainly some of the things that he did, McCarthy did um, during the campaign process, uh, you know, d- didn't ha- has led to the situation. Yeah, I I. I... They did not follow the, that that part of it, but uh, the same thing, same result comes from when you're figuring that you're going to have two thirty five. It's going to be a cakewalk, and then it turns out you got two eighteen, and now it's a walk through a minefield. And, and some of those are very, very upset and, and hostile, and um, and, and, so and once once you enable them, once you empower them. The, you know, those those ones that you weren't going to rely on. And now all of a sudden you need them. It doesn't work. 
and that's where we are uh, or have been this week uh, in the quest for the speakership in Washington. And we'll be joined by Christopher Hart a little bit later, and we'll talk more in depth with it. But it's great to get the insights of somebody who's been an elected official uh, in the Florida House Representatives, former Representative Fred Brummer, joining us today on the show. And he was also a county commissioner for eight years as well, serving the Northwest Orange County area. And when we come back, I would like to ask Fred Brummer about uh, his impressions of the way that the county commission and county government in general has evolved since the time that he left the commission because there have been dramatic changes there in, throughout Orange County and specifically in Orange County government and specific, more specifically on the county commission. Before we go to that break, though, of course, I want to, speaking of a brand new year and people who support us, I want to give a special shout out to our friends over at Florida Door Solutions. Of course, also, as you know, they support all the programs right here on AM 950 and FM 94.9, The Answer, including our Apopka Blue Daughter football broadcast. In fact, they were the original sponsor of Apopka Blue Daughter football broadcast on our stations. And I do want to let you know that if you have garage door problems of any kind, I urge you to get over to see or to call or contact Florida Door Solutions, and that's very easy to do. You can call them at 866-FLA-DOOR. That's 866-FLA-DOOR. Please tell them Roger Franklin Williams sent you, and of course you can find them at FLADOOR.com as well. We'll be right back on the Roger Franklin Williams Show, sponsored by Florida Door Solutions, so please stay with us. Welcome to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And now, here's Roger. And this is my turn. Friends, welcome back to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. It's great to be with you today. I want to thank you for the opportunity to join you as, once again, as we begin a new year, as we, and on the Roger Franklin Williams Show, is where we're dedicated to protecting, preserving, and defending America's founding traditions of God, family, country. Pleased to be joined in the studio by former state representative and former Orange County Commissioner Fred Brummer, also a longtime community leader, especially in the Apopka Northwest Orange County area, as he continues to be. I before we go back to, to Fred, and of course I want to let you know that in our later in our show we look forward to being joined by Christopher Hart, founder and host of the American Adversaries, and we look forward to speaking with Chris and getting his insights into the battle for the speakership, the the who will be the next Speaker of the House in Congress, or not so much um, who will be the next one, just the the dynamics of the battle that's taken, the rather extraordinary battle that's taken place so far. Before we go back to Fred Brummer, though, I want to, of course, give a shout-out and let you know about the guys over at Sheeler Auto Repair and let you know that if you, as we begin a new year, as you are looking for a place that will care for your car, truck, SUV, any other vehicle you may own, with old-school honesty, integrity, and dependability, I strongly encourage you, in fact, I urge you to get over to see Demetrius and Odysseus Virgos at Sheeler Auto Repair. No job is too big or too small for those guys, and you can trust the guys at Sheeler Auto Repair. It's where I take my car. I've been taking it there for over 20 years. You can find out, You can find them at 1908 South Orange Blossom Trail, Apopka. Now let's go back to Fred Brummer, former state representative, former county commissioner, and community leader. And Fred, I'd like to ask you, talk a little bit more, talk a little bit about your service on the county commission for eight years. 
And you know, the first thing when I think about the Orange County Commission and Orange County government, I think about is how dramatically certainly the the county commission has changed um, even since, since you were there, which wasn't that long ago. And what I mean more specifically about that is I remember the day when uh, Republicans and, and I guess uh, right of center, <laughs> um, you know, people with, you know, leaders with the right of center philosophy uh, were the majority, kind of usually a strong majority on the Orange County Commission. Now, of course, it was even in some of those days, it was a nonpartisan race. So everybody was nonpartisan. But, um, you know, in reality, you know, you know, a lot of the a lot of the members in many cases, the majority of members were Republicans or they were essentially conservatives to some some extent. As I said, right of center. Now, it, the county commission in Orange County is pretty much, I would say, virtually uh, comprised of all Democrats, if you will. You know, I'm, I don't know about every single one, but I suspect but certainly the I guess the uh, the the tone, if you will, has changed rather dramatically to more of a conservative oriented Orange County Commission to a more of a liberal Democrat oriented uh, Orange County Commission. Can you uh, have any thoughts on that? The you know the change, Raj, is about the urbanization of the community. The you know the uh, it is striking. It is striking to me that Governor DeSantis was able to win Dade County. He won. Pinellas County. He won uh, Hillsborough County. You know, in in Tampa and uh, uh, Tampa and St. Pete had become hotbeds for Democrat votes, and that is consistent with, or you know, any place else. Uh, Orange County was one of the few counties in the state, Orange uh, and Broward, uh, Palm Beach, that voted Democrat. A plurality of Democrat in the in the 2022 uh, pr- governor election, and and that's fairly consistent. So what we saw from 20, I mean from 1980, excuse me, from 1980 to 1990, that conversion from old South Democrat to conservative Republican was what was happening many places in the country, and then. Since 2004, 2006, 2008, the conversion from conservative uh, mindset to one of liberal, you know, when when Ted Edwards lost his election to Ms. Bonilla, Ms. Bonilla is a far-left radical and then got reelected without opposition. And that's pretty much what I'm what I'm talking about. Not is not just Republican slash you know versus you know, R versus right. D or you know now we've got a, a a person who's a registered Republican on there. Okay, now we got one who's a registered Democrat. It seems like this new breed of Democrats, and this is all over. Uh, uh, Anna Eskamani in the in the Florida House is the same yes. way. These aren't your old time uh, no. you know, Harry. Tr- what I this refer is to not as Harry, Harry Land, uh, you know, JFK is, you know. type of Democrats. Right. These are the the new new left Correct. Democrats, and and they seem to have no problem. First of all, as you said, getting elected, and secondly. Getting reelected. Right. No, there's no question. And that is from the change of the community from being a small town, Orlando being a small town, Apopka being a rural community, to, you know, both uh, of these being uh, major, major cities, major urban areas. And the urban areas is where 
the Democrat Party, it, you know, is able to rely on votes irrespective of of what their you know the party's policies are. You know, and if you really s- s- take a close look at American history, that dynamic, and I'm making a little bit of a generalization, um, goes all the way back to about 1800. Literally, I mean, in the uh, the crucial election of eighteen hundred, where not only uh, Jefferson uh, defeated you know John Adams, John, who had one right. time been his best friend, um, and and the Republicans you know kicked out the the Federalists uh, nationally, um, it, it, New York was essentially the swing state, uh, right. and and it w- and it was. The, the urban Manhattan was where the margin of votes came for for the Republicans uh, against the Federalists, and uh, and pretty much that's kind of and uh, and I you know, read fairly recently that you, you know you've always back in the day um, when you had the old school Southern Democrats, yeah, which is now going back you know to the the sixties and pre sixty era in the Democrat Party, you had this bizarre coalition of the rural South. Who were all, who were all Democrats, right? Um, yes. And the urban the urban North, and you know, actually, I read where Jefferson and Madison kind of got that started. They actually took a trip up to New York City and Philadelphia, and they went up there and campaigned and and made relationships with the the the, the leaders, the mayors, if you will, or whether the political leaders of the uh, urban northeastern cities, and formed this coalition that that remained for two hundred years, basically. So Correct. anyway, Correct. For, and I'm sure it's complex, and there are a lot of complex reasons. But you know, generally as generally speaking, as a, as an area becomes more urbanized, uh, it becomes more democrat and and more liberal. And more liberal. It's just you know, it's just stunning about that that kind of change, and and we see it especially, unfortunately, in the George Soros funding state attorneys, prosecuting attorneys, because those folks who live in those urban communities want to feel safe, but they've they Philadelphia, they've you know they've had the guy the the the. State attorney there has overcome two recall elections, you know, or a recall election and, and getting reelected, irrespective of the fact that crime is going through the roof in Philadelphia. Yeah, it's, it's one of the, one of the more disturbing and you, you, aspects. You say to yourself, I'm not interested in, in, in the rest of your politics, but aren't you concerned about safety? And those folks are concerned about safety, but they go back and... Push the yeah, I think the branding has gotten so powerful now, just D versus R. And, you know, of course, I think you have to take a look at the the impact of the media, which I think is just inc- increases almost every day. And particularly now that you've got the, the big tech oligarchs who are all right. solidly left. It's just the messages that the average citizen is being bombarded with 24 hours a day. Is that Democrat good, Republican bad? And I think that's and then, the, this is a result of it. And the, the thing that I have always said is it is challenging to get someone to vote differently than their mom and dad did. I mean, that you know, that's it's a high you, bar. Yes. You come up there, you come up in that in that situation and you you tend to you tend to morph into that particular area. So, you know, a combination of, of urbanization and where, you know, your parents came from and where your grandparents came from uh, politically really has a substantial impact in those things. We're speaking with former state representative and former Orange County Commissioner Fred Brummer on the Roger Franklin Williams show right now. And 
little bit later, we look forward to being joined by Christopher Hart. And Fred, we've got about two minutes for our next break, and that's not enough time. But yeah, I, I mentioned you, you had so many accomplishments in the legislature and uh, on the county commission, one of which I mentioned earlier that I think is um, one of the more unique and innovative was the Bertapalooza effort um, out at Lake Apopka. Can you just briefly share a little bit about that with us? Well, you know, the that was pretty much handed to me because what I'd found out was the over in Titusville they had a an annual uh, bird program. Bird it was lasted a whole week, and it's got it's known world, worldwide actually. That's yes. right, you know, and and the the most chosen tour. In other words, if you went to that show, the first thing you had to do was book early the ride and that ride was to the north shore of lake apopka and so in that particular situation even i (laughs) even i could figure out that we had a gem here and and that was what our effort was in bertapalooza and that was to make lake apopka a recreational Use it's a recreational resource, and we wanted to make it a recreational use for Northwest Orange County, for Orange County, and also to get the word out. Just even so statewide people knew and that even Lake Apopka was a great place to recreate, and and you did that, and that's one thing I wanted to mention that because that's a, that's just a great uh, example of initiative government uh, what a positive thing government can do by thinking creatively um, and and you know just just you know trying hard basically and, and, and bringing some creativity and desire to, to, to help the community uh, to, to government and, and you did that on the county commission thank you Rod. that's kind of you to bring it up well friends we'll be right back on the Roger Franklin Williams show please stay with us Welcome back. Good to have you here for the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And now back to the studio. Here's Roger Franklin Williams. Friends, welcome back to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. It's great to be with you today as we begin a new show and a new year. Hope you're enjoying the show thus far. Former County Commissioner, former State Representative Fred Brummer continues to join us in the studio. And in just a moment, we'll be joined over the phone by Christopher Hart, founder of the American Adversaries program and, of course, host of the American Adversaries. Before we go back to Fred and Chris, of course, I want to give a shout-out to our friends up at Apopka Moore and Equipment Repair and, of course, let you know that they are, Apopka Moore and Equipment Repair is your one-stop headquarters for all of your lawn and garden needs. They sell only the best equipment and power um, equipment products uh in the mowers and power equipment products in the business. That includes steel power equipment products and bad boy mowers. You can find out more about them at apopkamower.com. That's apopkamower.com. And, of course, I want to let you know about our friends over at Miller Sod Sales. Miller Sod Sales strives to do their best for every customer every time. Miller Sod Sales takes great pride in their clean, well-maintained equipment, their honest, dependable work, and their fresh, quality sod. Let Miller Sod Sales green up your life. Family-owned and operated since 1995. You can find out more at johnmillertruckingandsodsales.com. That's johnmillertruckingandsodsales.com. Now back to our studio guest, 
former state representative, former Orange County Commissioner Fred Brummer, and Christopher Hart, founder of the American Adversaries. And Chris, I just get cut to the point. Obviously, this has been a very fascinating thing to, that we're seeing unfold in Washington, the battle over who's going to be the next re- Speaker of the House for the Republic, you know, Republican Speaker of the House. Um, and I, you know, I, I do want to say before we go further, I had a chance to listen to your program a Thursday evening. It was truly outstanding. Your show is always outstanding, as I said, but that was really a, a show that was especially not only informative, but also interesting and entertaining as well. Well, thank you, Roger. I appreciate that. And I, would like, I got a good team with me. And you were, yes, definitely. And um, you were talking about this issue. And I'll just ask a couple of real specific questions. First of all, do you have a, a favorite um, of what you would like to see happen, who you might like to see uh, as the next speaker? Um, and and you know, what are what are the, the latest dynamics that, that our listeners need to know about. And I do need to let our listeners know we're recording this on Friday afternoon. So the way this is unfolding, there may be some more dramatic changes even before we air on Sunday afternoon. But but at this moment, what's the latest and, and how do you want things to work out and why? Well, uh, today being Friday, Kevin McCarthy just lost another vote. I believe it was the 12th one, but he lost it by less votes this time. So he did have, a, I think, about a dozen or 14 members that had voted against him turned around and voted for him because of some of the concessions that he has made. Basically, what I would like to see is a lot of the power taken out of the speakership. Um, There's been, in my opinion, there's been way too much power concentrated with way too few people at the top of our government, both in the executive branch and in the congressional branch, both the Senate and the House. So I'm, I'm not necessarily so opposed to Kevin McCarthy. I mean, he's, he's done some decent things, uh, but he has, uh, you know, he has kind of, you know, failed in other ways. There might be another, a better person out there. I think Steve Scalise would probably be the, 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 the easiest one to elect. Um, but mainly, I just don't want to see as much power in the, in the speakership. I mean, it's ridiculous that a handful of people in Washington, D.C. decide which laws will be debated, which laws will be passed, and pretty much everybody else that we elect is only there to rubber stamp it. And that's what I have a problem with, Roger. Very interesting. And yes, and, I, and I'm not sure if I heard this on the adversaries with you guys or whether on Charlie Kirk, um, but I try to catch Charlie Kirk every night, and I highly recommend that show from, to all of our listeners. But they were talking... From a process point of view, which I think is a big crux of the problem here, is whoever was speaking was making the point that the system, speaking to your point, of the way things are just done by the speaker, the way the, where the, way the process is done of, of forming legislation and voting legislation is a process that was actually put in place by Nancy Pelosi. You know, and and I'm not talking about ideology here. I'm just talking about you know the way bills get get on, on you know docked or whatever, or or flow through the system or whatever. And it's and as you were alluding to, it's largely a very autocratic, uh, top driven. You know, uh, the speaker and a handful of people kind of just make all the decisions about even what legislation is going to be presented to the the general uh, Congress, uh, which are, of course, the elected by the people, uh, instead of, um, you know, a more, quote-unquote, democratic or open process in the lawmaking. Can, can you speak to that? Well, you're absolutely right. Actually, the concentration of power began under Paul Ryan. I call him St. Paul Girl Ryan. 
and uh, it was uh, completed well, under well, that's Nancy an insult Pelosi. to a great beer, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should just call it Paul and say, instead of say Paul and Girl, just Paul and Girl. But yeah, that was a great beer. It is a great beer. But um, uh, it, Nancy Pelosi really consolidated the power. That's why she was able to accomplish so much of, of her agenda, is because she was basically a dictator in the House of Representatives. And, of course, Kevin McCarthy kind of sees that, and he rings, he's wringing his hands going, boy, I could sure do a lot with all that power. And, but you've got some uh, you know, people just elected and people who have been there who are looking at this going, this is not the way our government is supposed to operate. This is not the house of the people if only a handful of those people do all the, the decision-making. And, and so, you know, the first thing I thought of when I started seeing this was that old movie with Jimmy Stewart, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, where the, the, basically the plot of the movie is he's an ideologue, he shows up, he's, he thinks he can do wonderful things for the country, and he finds out that Washington's just this bastion of corruption run by a handful of people. And, and he becomes the disruptor and the, the hero in the movie. So we'll see if these people end up being heroes, but because they're trying to wrestle power out of the speakership, I think they are doing a heroic, uh, this heroic effort. Okay, and, one more, and, I've got one more question, and I'll go. go I'm, I'm going to interrupt you because both of you guys are way too young. Sam Rayburn would never have put up with someone as wishy-washy as Nancy Pelosi. You know, when I was growing up, Sam Rayburn was was so there was revolts. During that forty years, when when the Democrats dominated the House of Representatives, there were revolts towards the end that that actually has re- substantially reduced the power of the Speaker's office in in the House of Representatives. And still, Mister Hart is absolutely correct. It is way too much power vested in Nancy Pelosi, and this is this is you know. 80 years, 60 years after Sam Rayburn lost a, a substantial amount of his power. And it, it, it was a great analogy, Chris, about Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, and I don't know if we have a chance to talk about it right now, but I remember the first time I, I saw that movie, and um, yeah, I'll just uh, I'll say that for maybe for later. But um, I've got one more question, then I'd like to go back to, have, um, to, to former State Representative Fred Brummer. One of the things that I'm finding fascinating about just watching, observing this is how, you know, the old saying, politics makes for strange bedfellows. It's interesting to me to see various people on on the two sides of this thing, you know, because it's kind of interesting, you know, surprising to me to see uh, former President Trump. You know, supporting, you know, openly supporting McCarthy. Um, it's surprising to me some of the people that are that are so uh, passionately opposed to McCarthy. Um, as, as I mentioned b- before, uh, you know, um, you just it, 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 do, you, do you have a take on that? And, uh, you know, and, and what, what are your thoughts there? Well, as far as Trump goes, I like, think for instance, he... uh, Charlie, Charlie Kirk. Uh, seems to be supportive of McCarthy, which I would have thought that he would have been, you know, very anti-McCarthy. So anyway, just can you can you address that? Uh, I don't know about Charlie Kirk, and I love listening to his show too. I learned so much from it. But as far as Trump goes, I think that he figures that McCarthy's going to eventually win, and that he wants basically McCarthy kind of beholden to him because you know he's planning for 2024 and he's going to need that leadership help in the House to you know help with the election. Um, 
But uh, as far as this is what I love about politics, why I say it's like professional wrestling is because you do get these situations where, you know, mortal enemies are suddenly, you know, great allies. And the next day they can be back to mortal enemies again. It, it, it's, it's the beauty of the process. Um, and and it, it's the process we need to protect. And, 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 and you know, uh, Commissioner Perth is absolutely right. Back in the early days, I would all call, uh, there was a lot more concentrated power. But this, is, this has been the struggle ever since the beginning of our country, is who's going to hold the power and how much are, are they going to hold. And it's going to be a constant struggle uh, as long as we have a constitutional republic. So I think it's healthy. Personally, I think this is all very healthy. And the point that I'm hearing, you know, some some very insightful people make. Gorka made this point. I believe uh, Dan, uh, actually, the source of it was Dan Borgino. Uh, is and one of the thing. The, the bigger point we want to make is that you know the Congress is they're the only segment of the federal government that's directly elected by by the people. So they are directly the you know the the, the people's elected representatives. And of course, and then the the point that uh, Gorka was making is that from his perspective. You know, the, the, these 22, original 22 outliers um, more or less represent about 75 percent of, of, of the elected Republicans or Republican electorate. So anyway, uh, but, but Fred, do you have a, a closing comment? And unfortunately, we're down to about a minute. You know, the, the I, I was very interested. In, I would like to hear sometime what uh, Mr. Hart believes how McCarthy got into this situation, which you and I discussed earlier in the show. And that seems to be pretty complex, right, Chris? Some of it's about just, you know, they feel he's incompetent. Others, uh, just weak leadership, generally speaking, part of it overconfidence. And then, of course, a lot of this animosity about some of the specific actions that he took, you know, from people like, you know, uh, you know our friend Anthony Sabatini, um, you know, and, and people of that ilk, who, some of those who, who did make it to Congress. Is that well, correct? Because we're short on time, I would just say all of the above. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Chris, it's been a, a, great to have you joining us. We really appreciate you sharing your insights on us with us on the Roger Thank Hickelman you, Show. Roger. Pleasure talking with you both. Fred, it's great to see you again. And let's give a shout out to our friend Don Fannin, you know, our, out there. Don, I appreciate your loyal listenership, and it's always great to hear from you. you know, Mr. Fannin is just absolutely positively a, an asset to the community and a great person. A, and a great American. Friends, thank you for joining us on the Roger Franklin Weeb Show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.